You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let it breathe just for the briefest of moments while we connect to our Facebook community. And then we're going to get going here, gang. So far, so good on the old hotspot. Okay, we're ducking and weaving. We're doing what we got to do to bring you guys this show tonight. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, this latest trade package as um, you know, proposed by Bleacher Report, it's, it's still a pretty penny, but it actually yeah. is a lot more feasible with the caveat that, you know, this is the starting point, right? So this guy's like, you know, this is this gets the conversation going. Where it goes from there, I don't know. But tell our listeners what they're <laughs> speculating on over there at Bleacher Report. Yeah, what you're referring to is an article from uh, Chris Rowling. Chris Rowling, however you pronounce his name. He propositioned the Broncos give up a 2022 first-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick, and a 2023 first-round pick in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. What you'll notice there, though, Chad, unlike the other previous trade rumor, offer, speculation, whatever you want to call it, conjecture, it didn't include a foundational player of the Broncos like Draymond Jones, Cortland Sutton, uh, Dalton Reisner. All of those players were floated in potential trade packages for Rodgers in the past, and this one was the only one I've seen to date that just included draft picks. It makes it a little more feasible. If you want Rodgers in a Broncos uniform, you can rationalize to yourself, okay, well, at least you get to keep the core together. You're not giving up a Jerry Judy or one of his pass catchers like Cortland Sutton. It's just draft picks. I still don't think, not only would George Payton probably not do this still, I don't think it would be enough for Green Bay to move Rodgers, not getting at least one star-level player back in return. I mean, there are so many <clears throat> factors that would make an Aaron Rodgers trade unprecedented but the most obvious one is the fact that i'm not sure and i could be wrong on this any nfl historians correct the record if i am wrong but i don't think there's ever been an mvp a reigning mvp traded not a guy who's been an mvp in the past but like literally the reigning mvp as he says here uh If one had to guess, trading for last year's MVP, regardless of age and contract, which I don't think you can disregard age and contract, will likely check in at three first-rounders, possibly with more added. You know, it's funny, Zach, when I've made calls around to people that I know and, you know, insiders and agents and people that are involved in this kind of stuff on the day-to-day. They don't think that a 38-year-old quarterback, regardless of the fact that he's the reigning MVP, can feasibly command three first-round picks. And yet all the media stuff we read, all the you know, purported speculative packages always include three first-rounders. I think if and when Zach Aaron Rodgers gets traded, whether it's to the Broncos or someone else, I'd be willing to bet some dollars to donuts that it does not include three first round picks. 
Well, I, I think your first point there kind of contradicts the second point because if there's no other reigning MVP on record, the precedent's never been set before, why wouldn't, uh, you know, it would require more, more capital, more compensation. Because of this. Getting- no, 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 because of this right here. He tries to disregard age and contract. You know, that that erodes the value. It's unprecedented in that it's a distinction that's never happened, but just because it's never happened doesn't mean it's worth three first-round picks. I mean, I, I guess it's up to uh, your own interpretation of what you think Rodgers is worth. I just think if if Green Bay is going to cede to another team, and all it takes is one, Chad. All it takes is one desperate organization, and I don't think it will be Denver. Maybe it, it'll be Vegas, but I just think if Gutenkunst is going to part ways with Rodgers and admit his defeat, in other words, and you know give Rodgers what he wants, why wouldn't he milk it for all it's worth? Why wouldn't he want to get three first-round picks back in return or a star player? And it's it's funny we're we're debating this even though Rawling here he thinks it's it's a three first round kind of trade but he doesn't include three first rounders in his proposition he calls it a starting point not an end point so if that's the starting point and we're both unsure that George Payton would do it what makes you know what makes either of us think he would do it for the end point right I do think Gutekunst is going to when the when the rubber meets the road he's definitely going to try and milk it and maximize it for all he can if this was a 32 you know what even if this was a 35 year old Aaron Rodgers I don't think three first rounders would be outside the bounds of the plausible but he's not he's entering his age 38 season and that's what really on top of the contract which he touches on here that's what really makes me doubt that when it's all said and done he's going to end up getting moved for three first-round picks. I mean, we'll see, though. We'll see. Aaron Rodgers is very dug in. All of the speculation and, you know, you, you, you read the stuff from the insiders that are close to Green Bay and some of the big uh, national insiders. I mean, we talked about Jay Glazer, I think, last week or over the weekend, whatever it might be. He's just dug in. It doesn't – it's either – this is either headed to Aaron Rodgers chilling – in Denver or Colorado or excuse me, or California doing, you know, television game shows or he gets dealt. And so what benefits the Packers more? If you're Brian Gutekunst, if you're Mark Murphy, look, if he's so dug in that you cannot move him, no contract is bringing him closer to the table, then just cut your losses, milk it, get as much as you can for him and start over with Jordan Love because it's just, it really feels like it's jumped the shark. It's off the rails. Time to kind of move the needle forward. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're a, a little more on the side of that he will get traded. I think he's still going to hold firm, and I think also the Packers will hold firm, and he'll play in Green Bay this year. He might, you know, he might sit out a regular season game or two, but these olive branches tend to get extended for the point that you made. He is the reigning MVP future Hall of Famer, the face of, the, of an iconic franchise. I just think some way, somehow, there's still a month left until training camp, two months plus until the regular season, they will find a way to work this out. Guys, we are excited to talk with one of our great superstars tonight. we got Steve Baumgartner in the house with us. We're going to pick his brain on some of these issues, and we're going to find out what's on your mind. Any topics, any questions you want us to get to, get it in the chat, and we will get to a post Haste. Real quick, though, before we talk with Stephen, some quick matters of business. Make sure you are following us on social media and connecting with us there on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, also at MileHighHuddle. You can connect with Buona Beast, our producer, on Twitter at John K. My partner, 
Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. We would love it if you would make sure you're following, liking and following the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page. It's only six weeks or seven weeks old. It's pretty still much, pretty much a baby page, but it's pushing close to 3,000 followers. And we appreciate all of you who have, you know, heeded our calls to action and gone over and liked the page. But we need more of you to continue to do that because we got some big plans for the page. We can't really roll them out though till we get it to scale. So Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. That's the URL if you want to navigate on a browser or just open up the app on your phone. Search Huddle Up Podcast, boom, like, follow. And then the benefit you get from that, aside from the content and the community that's coming down the pike there, is you are automatically enrolled into our weekly raffles, randomly select a person that's both liking and following the page. You'll get a T-shirt, you'll get a hat, you'll get a mug, something like that. Kindly consider becoming a Mile High Huddle supporter on Facebook. If you do so, you get access to Kelberman's Corner every Sunday at noon. You get access to the Trickle Zone every Saturday at noon. This coming Saturday, it won't be the Trickle Zone. It'll be Broncos Book Club with yours truly. You get access to that at this stage. Only the Facebook supporters get access to that premium video and podcast content. But that's going to be changing soon. We're going to be also grafting in a YouTube membership down the road. So stay tuned for that. But in the short term, make sure you're, you're supporting us over there. Five bucks a month, I think is what it is. Big blue button at the top of the Mile High Huddle page. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Become a supporter. You're in like Flynn. Also, last thing here, gang. Check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Get a hat. Get a t-shirt. Get a face mask. little something, something to support the cause here. Help keep the lights on at MHH. And if you're not in a position to do those things, we're just stoked that you have showed up. Whether you're listening after the fact or if you're with us in the stream live, we do appreciate each and every one of you for spending some time with us. Hey, if you can, make sure you like the video on YouTube, on Facebook. Obviously, you want to make sure you're subscribed. And really, the the thing we appreciate the most, all right, from the organic help we get from our community, is if you think we're doing a good job, share this video out there and help us reach those Broncos fans that are out there completely oblivious to the fact that this community is out here waiting to embrace them. So we appreciate you guys. All right, let's, uh, let's talk with Steve. I think I want to say, John, this is the – third appearance Steve has made on the show. Yeah, this is this is appearance number three. But he's been with us a long, long time. Zach, Steve Baumgartner has been a part of our community since we really started the live streams. He was someone that engaged with us on Twitter long before we started doing the live streams. We've been connected with Steve for a long time. And so we appreciate him. Here he is in the flesh, Steve Baumgartner, mega, mega Broncos fan, mega, mega Drew Locke supporter. Steve, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. How about you guys? Doing well. Can't complain. No one would listen anyway, right? But let me ask you something, Steve. As outspoken as you have always been in your support for Drew Locke, does any of this Aaron Rodgers stuff change that? I mean, what would you say, how would you feel if the news flashed across the wire, breaking Broncos acquire MVP Aaron Rodgers trade via Packers? What goes through Steve's mind if that happens? It's like, did we trade Drew Locke? If so, it's like, what do we do after Rodgers is retired? You already, now, you already got the work in with him, so. Steven, you saw what we talked about in our last segment about the trade compensation. Do you think that's too much for Rodgers? Would you give up a couple first-round picks and a second-round pick? I mean, obviously, I think you wouldn't throw in a player, but how would you feel about the trade package that we talked about? Two firsts and a second would be fine with me. That's how much to give up for 
future Hall of Fame quarterback. So you're more open to it if Drew Locke is not included in the trade package. You want exactly. him to stick around. Yeah, I'm with I'd you. rather trade Teddy over Locke. I'm so. with you on that 100%. John, I didn't notice before we went live that weird tinny sound when Steve when Steve talked. It's like a weird like electronic uh, tin can feedback sound. But um, I think it's okay for, for a short superstar segment. We'll be all right. So, Steve, what have you seen from – what are your insights from what OTAs showed us as far as Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater? And what are your first impressions so far of Teddy? Well, from what I've seen for Drew versus Teddy, uh, Drew's looked a lot better at um, what he did last year at OTAs. He's been in the work with Manning and um, got his uh, foot placement a lot better, touches a lot better. And with Teddy, he's just a humble guy. He's he's there to compete, and he's there to help help Locke along if he has to, unlike Flacco. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Steven, I'm, I'm curious as to your take. We got an interesting question that's kind of stuck with me the last couple of days. Can you give us, I guess maybe it would be Drew Locke for you, but give us a non-Drew Locke answer. One breakout player on offense this coming season and one breakout player on defense. A breakout on offense would be Judy for me. And then on defense, that'd probably be, um, let's see, I'm going to go uh, Sertan. It's a good one. All right, um, I got one more for you. Zach's got one more for you, and then we're, we're going to cut you loose for tonight, Stephen. Thanks again for spending some time and making some time for us. My question to you is, Denver, Colorado, September 26th, and Powerfield at Mile High, are you going to be there at the MHH tent for the meet-and-greet, hangout, party extravaganza? Probably not because my work is so busy right now. We're so short-staffed right now. You better you better be putting in a call to the to the boss man or the boss woman, <laughs> seeing if you can't pull a string or two. <laughs> I can try. I know my girlfriend wants to go see a Broncos game someday. I got one more question for you, Steve, and then we'll cut you loose here. Get, okay, a scenario where Drew Locke is a starting quarterback, and a scenario where Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback. How do you think the Broncos are going to fare this year? Give us a record prediction as of June twenty third. All right, for McLock as starter, I think we can get 13 wins. With Teddy, probably about 11 or 10. So double digits regardless, playoff season, yes. you think? I yes. think so too. Man, that would be that would be a that's a very bullish outlook. We, Zach and I both see double digits, but 13 wins even in a 16 game season. I mean, that's like Peyton Manning level dominant juggernaut type of team and Look, that's not to say that Drew Locke doesn't have an in him as part of, you know, whatever that ceiling might be. But if that were to happen, Broncos fans would just be going goo goo gaga. But, Stephen, um, thank you so much for spending some time with us, my friend. It really does mean a lot to us. All your support. Give our best to your girlfriend. And, hey, see what you can do to make it out to Denver for that. April 20, or uh, September 26th, week three versus Zach Wilson, the Jets. Home opener for your Denver Broncos. Okay, we'll do. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you Thanks soon, you. okay? See ya. All right, peace out. That's at Vote Moose 80 on Twitter, Steve Baumgartner in the house. And just very – hey, man, he shows up. The sun rises, Steve Baumgartner shows up. BNS jumping in with a super chat. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. He says, whatever the quarterback plays, uh, blindside is safe. Hashtag all pro bowls. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. Zach, did you? We didn't talk about this last week when the news broke, but 
Garrett Bowles and his family is are trying to overcome a what what is it called? Uh, it's a speech uh, a speech disability or impediment. Uh, for, yeah. I'm I'm trying to remember what it's called with his little son Kingston, and everyone knows Kingston. That's who was with him on stage, right when the Bronco when he was announced as the Broncos pick number twenty overall in twenty seventeen. So hopefully, uh, you know they they can get him that that speech needed to iron those those wrinkles out. Yeah, and you know one thing Bowles has demonstrated, he had so many red flags coming into the NFL, not just on the field, but off the field, mentally, emotionally, him, you know, coming into adulthood and how he's raised Kingston, how he's handled his family and how he spoke out on these issues. I respect him a lot for, and I think he's matured as a player and as an adult because of it. All right, John, do you have Michaela's super? There it is. All right. Awesome. We got the Duchess in the house with us tonight. Thank you, Michaela. It's great to see you. Well, we're looking forward to talking with you in July, and then we're looking forward to seeing you in September. She says, I am in with draft picks. I say no if we have to give up players for Aaron Rodgers. Hell no on the players. Hashtag let them hate. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit torn on that. Like if it was two ones, Zach and Draymond Jones, or two ones and Noah Fant, I don't know. It'd be I would I'd deliberate, but probably not look the gift horse in the mouth too much because you know, with Aaron Rodgers, even minus uh, Noah Fant, you got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Albert O. That offense is going to ball. Yeah, I think I'm a, a little more open to it if, like we were talking about with Steven, the package doesn't include a quarterback, namely Drew Locke. I would like some sort of fail-safe or some sort of project investment the Broncos can hang on to, even in the advance of Rodgers, because he's not 26, he's not 31, 32, he's going into his age 38 season. So I'm still, it's Draymond Jones and two first-round picks. I mean, you're talking about a foundational player and two opportunities for two years in a row to get foundational players on top of that. I, I'd, you know, I wouldn't mind if they pulled the trigger, but not having a quarterback in there makes it a little easier pill to swallow. John, does over the cap work for what you were after? I mean, I, I prefer using over the cap because Spot Track site is so it bogs you down. Your your uh, browser, Mike, wants to know. Tell us about Green Bay's cap hit this year. So here is what the the Packers are staring down the barrel for Aaron Rodgers in twenty twenty one. His base salary here is $14.7 million. He's also got his prorated signing bonus, which is fourteen point three. That's already been paid to him, but it factors into the cap number. Uh, he has a roster bonus of $6.8 million, and then a workout bonus, which he has already foregone, of half a million, and then another bonus, which I'm not sure what the qualifications here on this bonus. Um, guaranteed salary, $6.8 million. So his grand total for the cap number, is a whopping $37.2 million. Mm. If the Packers were to have uh, traded him pre-June 1st, they would have been looking at $31.5 million in dead money. But trading him post-June 1st, that number plummets to just four. I mean, just, but it's still a big number, but significantly more that you could live with, $14.352 million. But, Zach, one last thing. If you look at the remaining two years on his contract beyond 2021, you know, putting yourself in the mindset of him potentially being a Bronco, a $25 million base salary in 22, a $25 million base salary in 23, 
Each one of those years comes with a different uh, cap number because of the prorated signing bonus and all that, you know, um, salary cap voodoo. But I would guess, and I don't know this, obviously, but I would guess if the Broncos were to acquire Aaron Rodgers or wherever Aaron Rodgers ends up next, I'm guessing they do something new to his contract so that he's not top six, he's, you know, top two or three. Yes, and they're going to get that cap number down because it's kind of it's thirty nine million, right? It's kind of hard to see. That's astronomical. That's the price of like four players normally. So yeah, they would redo the deal in some capacity. The only thing that's nice about it, there's no guaranteed money left on the contract apparently after uh, this coming season. So again, if you acquire Aaron, yes, he's a Hall of Fame player. You know, a first ballot borderline. Yes, he's and an MVP is going to raise your tides on all ships on offense. But you really have to hope you hit in that window because the cost of doing business to acquire him, not just, again, the draft capital, but the compensation you're giving up and the cap burdens you're putting on the team, $39 million. Even if you bring it down, Chad, realistically, it'll still be above $30 million more than likely. So it's still a lot of money to pay a quarterback. And then you compare that to someone like Drew Locke, whose cap hit this year is what, $2 million, a million and a half? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a lot, much bigger difference. John, do we have, excuse me, do we have Kane Dawson and then um, Andrew Morrow? Kane, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Appreciate you. The super chat means a lot to us. You know that, my friend. How are you tonight? Great to have you. He says, that's just too much to give up for an aging gunslinger. I doubt Peyton takes that gamble, but stranger things have happened. The longer the wait, the sweeter the deal, though. And that's one thing I do agree with. Like, when this first started, you know, what was it? April 29th, when this became a public knowledge situation, the speculation that soon followed and the packages that were coming out were, I mean, almost untenable, right? Uh, three, three or three ones, two twos, uh, your best player for Aaron Rodgers. And even though we knew that that was probably always a little inflated and that when the rubber finally meets the road, it was going to be less than that, probably not too far off if you'd have been dealt then, but now Look, the closer you get to the deadlines, that's what motivates NFL teams. I mean, that's often is a primary motivator just for human beings in business, right? Is whatever deadline, whether it's the tax man or whatever, whatever had, that's what motivates and sparks action. But as you inch closer to training camp, Aaron Rodgers, it's not that his value suddenly dissipates if you get to training camp or like the week before camp and there's no deal done or you get into training camp. But NFL teams are going to be significantly disincentivized to want to give up that just king's ransom, whatever ends up being, even if it's two ones, a two and a key player or whatever, when they know it's going to put them behind the eight ball and they're probably going to struggle that first four to six weeks in hopes that you get a Peyton Manning-esque circa uh, 2012 kind of rocket into the stratosphere when everything comes together like somewhere in in the second quarter of the season. I mean, I agree usually that the longer you wait on a trade, the better you can, you know, the better you can make out in that trade. But here's the thing. We have to look at it realistically. There's only really one suitor for Aaron Rodgers. And if we look at that one suitor, we have to take into account, does their general manager, it being George Payton, is would he be okay giving up draft picks in general? Even if it's not three first rounders, if it's a combination of second round picks, third round picks, his entire draft war chest, will he still feel comfortable doing that 
even if it doesn't include a player, a quarterback, or an extra first-round pick. So looking at it realistically, there's one suitor for Aaron. You can maybe throw in the Raiders. And even then, Chad, look at the Khalil Mack trade (laughs) with the Raiders. I mean, that was awful. So all it takes is one really bad team to either get desperate or make a really bad deal. And I don't think the Broncos are that team that's going to make a bad deal. They're not going to give up that much to acquire. Yeah, I mean, especially where – you know, you got Teddy Bridgewater there if you were really worried about what happens if things don't work out with Drew, right? Because as a general manager, you could be totally optimistic in a young quarterback taking a step forward, but you don't know for sure. And so you have to plan accordingly. You have to have some kind of contingency just in case. And up until Teddy arrived, which was the day before Aaron Rodgers' drama came to the surface, they didn't really have that. Now they do. That gives George Payton a little, not a little, a lot of breathing room to where Zach, when push comes to shove, he can really weigh the pros and cons without kind of any feeling of need or or desperation, per se. Quickly shout out to these great Facebook superstar senders. Travis Tarbox, you're a legend. Claude, you're a legend. Andrew, legend. Appreciate you guys. We will keep an eye out for any of your comments and questions in the chat. Travis. I just wanted to address... Real quick, I want to address this. Sorry, Chad. Uh, no. Listen, I agree with this, but here's the deal. That's only going to happen, Black Knight, if he wins. And if Locke won or Bridgewater won, if the Broncos would win, they would bring in the free agents just the same. If Peyton Manning never won in Denver, he wouldn't have gotten Julius Thomas. You know, He wouldn't have gotten these players to follow him. So I agree with that if on the principle that he wins, then it would be a good trade. But the the way we're looking at it is if you give up that amount of draft picks, is if you take on that level of contract and cap commitment, if you don't win with Aaron, then you consider setting yourself back an extra three to five years on top of your current rebuild right now. And even if you are 100% accurate, because I do think he is, you know, he would be, as Zach said, it would have to come out in the wash, but he would be a nice recruiting tool for a team that would actually be interested in utilizing free agency. The Packers don't really right they don't go out and sign people but look if you i mean that that ship has sailed really for 2021 that would be a future consideration as would the draft picks right the draft picks are a future consideration thing but it's definitely something to ponder travis says hello my football priest so when the meetup happens that will be my son's and my first ever uh home broncos game so excited cool dude that's gonna be awesome um Hey, it'll be a privilege to, you know, help help you and your son and your family commemorate that with an MHH hangout and a meet and greet. It's going to be a gas. And a victory over the Jets. That's Yes, indeed. Say. Whether it's Teddy, whether it's Drew, you can't lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets in your home opener Mm-mm. week three. No it's, it's untenable. Michael, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Thank you very much for the super chat. He says, if the Broncos sign Rodgers, Locke is gone. It's a third year of a rookie deal, meaning he's entering his third year. No way the Broncos re-sign him. They would trade him or he'd leave in free agency after the fourth year. would make no sense to keep him if they get Aaron Rodgers. It's, uh, it's inconvenient, but it's true. What utility does, Aaron, or does Drew Locke offer you if you have Aaron Rodgers besides the failsafe? Well, you already have a failsafe. Right. Teddy Bridgewater. I do think that there's some truth to that. Like if this, all these fantasies come true and Aaron Rodgers lands in Denver, Drew Locke is the, is the odd man out, unfortunately. 
and that comes, you know, that's not me trying to prophesy here and like, you know, um, relish in such a prediction. That's just the way the wind would blow. You're, if you're going, you're moving mountains, you're giving up all that stuff it's going to take to get Aaron. You're going all in. You're no longer worried about Drew. Sorry for Steven and everyone else and Michaela too. Like, I know, I know how you feel about it. You know how we feel about Drew Luck. But if you get Aaron Rodgers here, it's just like when Peyton landed in 2012. Tim who? Right? And you never thought about Tim from 2012 right. through Super Bowl 50. Yeah, I was going to say it's one thing. Even if they keep him around on the roster personnel-wise, it's another thing psychologically because that would signal that it's over. They, they've they left him for another person. The relationship has ceased to exist. He can, you know – he can get over, he can handle the psychological burden of battling Teddy Bridgewater. But if the Broncos acquired Aaron freaking Rogers, that would be just catastrophic for him. I think he would check out and the Broncos would check out. So I, I tend to agree with it. And I think what you said is best there. It's an inconvenient truth and a, a brutal truth to realize, even if he's on the roster, if Rogers comes here or Deshaun Watson, for that matter, the lock era is over. David long time listener, Big time member of our community at milehighhuddle.com. Very active and engaged uh, commenter. Appreciate David's insights always. And he's really good at surveying the web and finding all the good Bronco stories that are out there. This I is from John Clayton, who says, according to David, it'd be a first rounder and a second rounder for Aaron due to his contract and age. Not many teams can take that contract plus the new deal, according to David. I mean, Chad, I'm willing to come to your side of it might not be three first-round picks, but I'm pretty sure it'll be at least two first-rounders. I mean, again, there's no precedent for it, but how do you trade the reigning MVP and only give up one first-round pick? I mean, John Clayton is revered. His his opinion here should be noted, but I don't know. I think that's a little less – it'd be a little bit of a a loss for the Green Bay in in that deal. Andrew on Facebook, appreciate you with the stars as well, Andrew. With the team as is and healthy, what's the percentage we can win the West? Zach, I think even if everything comes together, you know, in the most reasonably feasible way for Drew Locke and the offense and Pat Shermer and everything kind of comes together there. We know what the Broncos appear to have on paper at defense. The answer to this question would still, and, and their prospects of winning the West would still be contingent on not so much their one-on-one, you know, their two matchups with the Chiefs. But do the Chiefs end up dropping a few more games on their schedule? Right. You know, any given Sunday, you never know. The Broncos would need to split with the Chiefs at the bare minimum, and they would need a little help in the form of the Chiefs dropping one or two to common opponents whom the Broncos beat probably, something like that. Odds, percentages, what would you say for Andrew? Oh, not, not very good for Denver, and I agree 100% with what you're saying. The Broncos can control the controllable. That's their two games against the Chiefs, but they can't control anything else outside of that. So they would need, not wishing injury, I'm not hoping for, but they would need Mahomes to go down or you know someone, Tyree Kill, someone on their defense, Chris Jones, to suffer a season-ending injury for the Broncos to get that window open. Then from that point, the Broncos have to at least win 13 games, 14 games in a 17 17- 17-game, 18-week season, I don't know. I mean, realistically, Chad, 15 20%. That's probably being generous, too. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they can't still win double-digi, and that doesn't mean that right. they can't then make the playoffs. And you know how it goes, man. When you get to the playoffs, 
all bets are off for every single team in the best and the worst way. You never know. It's like when the 2014 Broncos hit the playoffs or the 2012 Broncos hit the playoffs for the divisional round, they get a bye. I mean, in 2012, they were the one seed. I don't think they were the one seed in 14, but nevertheless, they were a presumptive threat because they were the reigning AFC champions in 2014. And the Colts rolled in and upset them at home. And in 12, Baltimore rolled in, upset them. You just never know because the postseason is like its own, has its own kind of magic, its own intensity, its own energy. And you just never know. So my point being that look at even back to Super Bowl 32, that first world champion Broncos roster, they were a wild card team that went the distance. And back then, that almost never happened. That was one of the reasons why the Packers were such a heavy favorite in that Super Bowl. Wild card teams, A, hardly ever made it to the Super Bowl. B, they certainly didn't win and they didn't defeat the reigning world champions. So, you know what? Hey, man, if you can get to the playoffs, if you're Drew Locke and the Broncos, you can get there at least. You never know what could happen. Uh, for you and and your opponents, it's just it's a different animal. I was gonna say five years removed from their last playoff appearance. Can we get back to the postseason first and then talk about t- toppling Mahomes and the Chiefs? You know, small steps for the Broncos this season. Ian here on Facebook says it has been a long week. It is so nice to see some friendly faces. My mom is in the hospital. Oh no, man! Oh. I needed to see you guys tonight. Well, hey, man. Anything we can do to help take your mind off it and yes. um, also provide some good vibes and positivity we're here to do that stay positive stay optimistic this too shall pass she'll come out get out of the hospital everything will be okay i have no doubt of this Uh, but our thoughts and prayers are with you my friend yeah and we know i know what it's like to need a distraction in in tough times and uh, you know i hope that we can be that distraction for you and if you have a question please feel free to drop it in and we'll uh, get to it tonight andrew morrow thank you for that super chat my friend it's great to see you in the chat he says, speculation, Raiders get Rodgers. Thoughts for the next two to four seasons for Denver in the AFC West? So saying, I think what he's saying is tying that question into what if the Raiders get Rodgers, right? So if that were to happen, yeah, dude, I mean. <laughs> Not you great. Could still, you could still <laughs> be a wild card threat with the way the new season works and the way the playoff uh, seeding works now and all that stuff. You could still push for the playoffs, but. Unless Drew Locke becomes a Lamar caliber or a, you know, Mahomes light type, just dynamo, you're probably not truly going to vie with either the Chiefs or the Raiders in that scenario. You know what? Thinking about it, though, are we really scared of the Raiders, even with Aaron Rodgers? They're still the Raiders, Chad. They still have John Gruden as head coach, Mike Mayock as GM, and that defense being what it is. I mean, and he doesn't he wouldn't have the glut of weapons he would have in Denver and Oakland. So I feel a little more comfortable battling Rodgers in Vegas, or excuse me, Vegas. I'm still messing that up even to this day than I would taking down the Chiefs. So even if he goes there, I'm sure the, the Raiders would mess up that deal horribly and I would feel pretty good still about the Broncos chances. Kansas City though, different story. I think they're going to be on a revenge tour this season after losing in February. It's easy to, you know, like if I, I can sometimes allow myself to really be dismissive of John Gruden because of those final years in Tampa and the way his 10-year unprecedented $100 million contract with the Raiders has started. But let's not forget, though, A, he has hoisted the Lombardi as a head coach, and B, that offense is loaded for bear. And Aaron Rodgers last year proved, you know what, 
I'm not so old that I can't still elevate the entire team by virtue of making the offense a freaking juggernaut covering holes on the defense. I would look, you know, you can talk about fear this team or, you know, fear the the Raiders to me would be juggernaut status because look at the offense, dude, just the offense alone. You got the running back situation stacked wide receivers stacked. You got one of the top five best tight pass catching tight ends in the league, Darren Waller. That offense would be formidable, but the defense still, Zach, is an Achilles. I still hold firm to the belief that if he couldn't win with Matt LaFleur last year and the Packers had also a great defense, what is he really going to do in Vegas? Even with the weapons he would have around him, I don't know. I wouldn't be scared of the Raiders, even with Aaron Rodgers there. But I believe, though, Rodgers on the Broncos, that would make the Raiders very, very terrified. We've got one of our legendary super chat superstars slash Facebook supporters and Gary Palmer. Appreciate you, my friend. This time he's showing some love on YouTube. He says, I couldn't get you on Facebook. So here's a little love. I did check that we are streaming. We're getting a lot of other Facebook. So hopefully it's not just a, it's probably just a login issue for you, Gary, but we do appreciate you, my friend. You are a legend. Here's an interesting question to kind of shift gears, Zach. from Chris on Facebook. Thank you for being with us, Chris. We have 15 receivers on the roster. Does it make a difference who makes the 53-man roster based on the QB? I I don't think so. I think the best players are going to make the 53, and, and, you know, they might keep an extra receiver, but they already have four or five that are absolute locks right now. So it's going to come down to, A, how much they're keeping on the 53, six or seven, and, B, who are those final two or three guys that are looking about keeping? Kendall Hinton might push for one. Seth Williams might push. Tyree Cleveland but even Tyree Cleveland could be a lock on the roster. So I don't think it's no matter about quarterback play. It's just the best players, this is how it should work anyway, are going to make the final team. Here's one from Zebulon in the house. What's up, bro? Does John Elway get too much flack for not finding a quarterback post Peyton Manning? He built some great rosters regardless of draft failures. No, he, he gets just as much criticism as he deserves and unfortunately for Elway he had some really formidable rosters in the post uh, Super Bowl 50 era specifically 2016 and even 2017 you know you still had quite a few of the key role players from the Super Bowl squad on the roster but Zach you can't I mean you you can't underestimate the trickle-down effect of that categorical embarrassing swing and a miss on Paxton Lynch and the effects that had on this team in 17 or in 16, 17 and really 18 as well, right? You shouldn't have had to have gone out and, and paid case Keenum. If you were drafting a quarterback in the first round of 2016, that should have been, that should have solved your issue. That should have given you stability at the position. I mean, we could go on and on. I think John Elway gets unfairly criticized in a lot of ways, but the quarterback issue he just couldn't figure it out, dude. Like he, tr- he swung and swung and swung and swung, and every call he made was wrong, with the exception of, we don't know yet, Drew Luck. Well, you know, the, the every GM is judged based on their quarterbacks and based on who they can get a quarterback. But I feel like Elway was doubly judged and extra pressured because he's a Hall of Fame quarterback himself. So he yeah. should be able to find one of his own kind out there and in more than one opportunity post Peyton Manning. But why those quarterbacks didn't work out, 
it's the second biggest failure in the LA era. The, the first biggest failure is not finding the right head coach. If you hire Kyle Shanahan in 2017, your quarterback that year or the next year looks a lot better than what they produced in Trevor Simeon and Case Keenum. So yeah, he deserves every bit the criticism and the flack that he gets because he failed in his quest in four years and many different opportunities to find that successor. But he also doesn't get a lot of credit too, for what he did do that was successful in the front office, Chad. His draft classes last couple of years, his free agency classes. I mean, he he did way more good than bad as Broncos GM, but the bad he did do was centered around two things, head coaches and quarterbacks. On one hand, you feel for Elway a little bit because he didn't ask for Gary Kubiak, his world champion head coach, to resign after two seasons. He thought he had that figured out and settled for the foreseeable future. So that was a curveball. But Elway's a former bass player, bass player, baseball player. I got music on the mind. He should have been able to swing at that and connect, right? I mean, a lot of guys struggle going from college, being prolific in college to the pros when it comes to MLB because they have trouble with the curve. But it was a curveball that Elway should have been able to, especially, Zach, when the football gods lay in front of you, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Kyle Shanahan. We understand that it wasn't just Elway that botched that decision. There was a heavy-handed influence of Joe Ellis involved in the decision to not hire Kyle Shanahan. And the other fly in that ointment, Zach, was Kyle Shanahan was looking for a team to give him full personnel control. And the Niners were, if I can remember this right, I know obviously they did give him that, but I think they were the only team willing to offer him that as well. Okay, you can sort of exonerate Elway for the Shanahan non-hiring, but what did he do the next time he hired a head coach? He went against conventional wisdom, he went against the grain in the NFL, and he hired an older defensive-minded guy, not a younger offensive mind like every other team hired in that coaching cycle pretty much. So Elway really wasn't adept or adroit at finding head coaches. I give him a lot of credit otherwise. I mean, he nice. wasn't a great head coach picker. I wanted to use that word for a while, so glad I got it. What, what's the last podcast you guys have listened to where one of the hosts dropped a droid? I mean, come on. This is this is why you listen. Hit that Dale, like button, go, people. Let's go. Yeah, give us a like for a droid. Let's go. Dale, what's going on, dude? It's great to see you. Appreciate the support. Uh, appreciate also you kind of looking out for Clan Jensen. We'll talk about that down the road, but appreciate you, Dale. He says, if we trade picks, I wonder if Denver would have cap space left to sign players like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, Chubb, Miller, after taking on that contract. Would Rodgers take a pay cut? I doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. I It doesn't seem to me like money's the biggest issue to Rodgers right now. I think fit, in, as he talked about in that one uh, – uh, his lap, you know, the last Kenny Main segment of all time that it's about culture, it's about relationships and all this. I don't think money is the preeminent issue, but even if you didn't, even if we were wrong and, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't asking for a new contract with whatever team acquires him, guys, we just went over the numbers. So Dale's not wrong. It's going to put an immediately just smothering effect on the salary cap. And it would affect your ability to do as he says here, Zach. Uh, I, but, it, you know, I'm not saying you specifically, Chad, but you're naive to think that if it's maybe not the number one problem or priority in Aaron Rodgers' uh, holdout with Green Bay, it's certainly number two. It's not that far down. He wants to be more, I believe, more highly paid. He wants to be 
because it comes down to ego in the very, very end, as most things are, to be in that 40 million club with Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes, probably right behind Mahomes at 43 a year. So I don't think he'd be open to a pay cut. I think he'd be open to redoing his deal so so far as he joins that rarefied air in the $40 million club. I think money is a big, big impetus here. I think it also comes down to just where his priorities fall because, I mean, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't looking to reset markets, right? He, he hasn't for a long time. He's always been willing to kind of take a little bit of a step back financially relative to what his value is in the league so that his team can have the monetary means to give him weapons and a supporting cast. Peyton Manning, he, when he signed here in 2012, he was given a contract that at the time was a top five quarterback contract. But even in his final year, John Elway came to Peyton so in, in 2015 and said, hey, look, we're up against it. We've added these guys over the last couple of years. Everyone knows what we what the Broncos did in free agency in 14 with the Tlaib, Ware, Ward, Sanders. It continued. Uh, they were much quieter, actually, in free agency in 2015. But still, Elway came to Manning and said, hey, we need you to give us some help here. We need you to take a pay cut. And Manning said, I'll do that, but you got to give me a chance to make it back. Give me incentives. you know." And so they incentivized his deal to where he went from making $19 million to 15 and then he ended up making all 19 million based on the incentives because he hit them all they won the world championship so he ended up getting not so much the last laugh because it wasn't adversarial in that sense but he got what was due to him right he got what was promised to him in his contract is that because he wanted to win a, a world championship he wanted those role players he wanted he didn't want the broncos to have to make any tough cap decisions because they he didn't have three four million whatever it might be wiggle room and it ended up paying dividends for him. He got that last ring. Brady gets another ring in Tampa. Wasn't looking for a market-breaking contract. Where is Rodgers' head on that? We won't know until that trade, prospectively, anyway, happens. I just don't think either in act on the field or personality-wise or you know just uh, off the field, Rodgers is in the same category as either Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I think he's one notch down from them. I agree as far as just, you know, that legendary alpha mindset that, you know, alpha in the sense that what is most important, obviously you want to be recognized and compensated relative to your wherewithal as a quarterback and your accomplishments and all that stuff. But alpha in the sense of what matters most to me is winning the championship. And so if I do need to take a little, you know, step back, I'm willing to do that. As long as you can convince me it's going to the right place and that it's going to be worth it, I agree with you. What we know about Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't seem like he's on that same level. I mean, he went against Brady last year in the NFC title game, and look how that played out. So if you if you want that rarefied air, if you want that money, if you want that fame and that ego stroke, you have to earn it. And as good as he was in the regular season, he wasn't that good in the postseason. Kane Dawson again. Thank you, bro. He says, no way Denver does lock. Like it did, uh, like they did Tebow. Well, look if if you land Aaron Rodgers, just be prepared for something similar. I mean, it might not be an immediate trade, but Drew Locke's not getting a second contract in all likelihood if Aaron Rodgers ends up right. in the orange and blue. 
Yeah, it's like if you you know if you, if you had a side family, you you would lose a lot of emotional investment to your main family. I mean, it's it, even if he's on the roster, it, the lock era would be over. All they've put into him, all the commitment, all the investment would be for naught because you're bringing in a guy that takes up thirty plus million dollars in salary cap space. He is the reigning MVP, and what is Locke? He was battling Teddy Bridgewater for a starting job. So it, that's the reality of the business, though. It sucks what happened to Tebow in that sense. It would suck what happened, you know, if it happened to Locke, but that's the NFL. It's cold, it's hard, it's dog-eat-dog, dog, but it's a business. John, do you have Jordan Jordan Mall or Jordan Mall, by chance, If on Facebook? If you see his – he had a, here he is. Uh, um, you can see, like, his star thing through, you know, the blank comment, but he also, I think, had a question – Let's grab Larry in the meantime. What's up, Larry? Good to see you, brother. Longtime listener, bona fide superstar in the house. We've missed you. He says, get Rodgers. We only win Super Bowls with old QBs. <laughs> hey, that's true, man. There's a track record there with Elway and Manning, so there's a little something to that. It's a fair point. You know, te- Technically, I have no rebuttal for that. Thank you, Larry. But, it, you know, it's the past is the best predictor of the future, but it's not the only predictor, you know. Right. Um, all right, where are we at? We are at 48 minutes. Jordan, oh, we did answer his question. Well, hey, Jordan, thank you, dude, for the support on and the stars on Facebook. Quickly, I, I want to shout out those who have been uh, helping, oh, helping over there. Randy. Is it Jordan? Okay, Jordan, Travis, Claude, Andrew, Zebulon. Appreciate all dope, of you. Dope, Thanks, guys. Um, yes, thank you, guys. Okay, let's see here. Um, here's higher learnings. You guys are acting like draft picks always hit. Drafting is not an exact science. I'd rather Aaron I rather Aaron Rodgers and proven free agent talent he will bring. Our core is great as is. Yeah, I mean the the hit ratio on first round picks. It's it, I, Bob did Bob Morris at milehighhuddle.com did a really interesting series leading up to the draft this year. And if I remember right, the hit rate actually it might have been Tom Hall now that I think about it. Um, but if I remember right, Zach, the hit rate on first-round picks is somewhere around, and it de- depends on how you define hit, but the way he defined it based on pro football references um, metrics, it, it was somewhere just about 50%. You know, it's a, it's a 50-50 proposition if that first-round pick you're going to take ends up being uh, a second contract guy. I mean, no, I'm not acting like that because only an idiot would think that uh, it was has a hundred percent hit rate, or they always work out. No, and I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I believe. George Payton thinks that I don't. You know, judging on his track record and judging on what he's literally told us through his mouth, that he doesn't like surrendering darts if he doesn't have to. I just don't think he would give up three first round picks, and I think he would also bulk at two first round picks. It's not my opinion about draft picks working out. It's about giving up those draft picks in the deal. It's not that deep. Chris on Facebook says, hey, guys, I'm forced to listen to Boston sports stations due to where I live. No matter how good the Boston sports teams are doing, they are harshly criticized by the media. It's refreshing to hear some positivity. So thank you, guys. All right. Hey, man, thanks for being with us. Glad you found us, my friend. Um, Okay, John, who do we have left? I don't want to leave anyone out hanging here. Let me just – here's Andrew real quick. Killed my dreams, Zach. LOL. I was thinking at least 30% chance of winning the West, right? Uh, give, uh, giving we almost beat the Chiefs our last game with a skeleton crew, but hey, a guy can drink. 
didn't almost beat the Chiefs. I'm what are you, well, I'm not sure what you're thinking there, Andrew. I remember the Broncos losing by multiple scores. They they started relatively strong against the Chiefs in that game, and then Drew threw a pick, if I remember right, and that started the kind of an avalanche. I'll pull it up, but I might be misremembering that. Am I? And maybe Andrew's talking about the DT, you know, non-reception from Case Keenum where they should have upset the Chiefs in that game. Uh, Andrew, I'm sorry for killing your dreams on that, but I'm just keeping it real with you. I don't think there's a much of a realistic chance to say it's anything north of 20% that level playing field, both teams staying healthy, the Broncos are going to win the West. Let's get back to the playoffs. Let's get a, a wild card berth, and then we'll go from there. All right, I'm just looking really quick here. Denver Broncos 2020 schedule. Oh, no, that's still 2021. I need 2020. Here we go. Nope, that's an announcement. I'll find it in a minute. Um, Yeah, the last game, the last time I can remember it being like truly the games were in doubt, Zach, was 2018, the Keenum teams. And the Broncos did come, you know, one wildly off-target Keenum pass away from beating the Chiefs in that first Bronco Chief game in 2018, and then the second that was in Denver, and then the second one on the road, uh, they still lost, but they lost. Both games were single score margins, and I want to say I can pull this up and try and do the research, but we're close to being out of time here. I'm relatively confident when I say going over my mental Rolodex, it's been multiple score margins in every game since then. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'll admit that I forgot too, but apparently it was 1916 in the second game, and I remember it being close. Kind of now looking back on it, because in two games against Mahomes, they held him to like 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. So yeah, I forgot about it too. 2020 is a blur. I've I've chose to forgot about a lot of that year. I'm gonna have to go back and look at the NFL uh, stats, NFL GSIS, and look at the play breakdown for some reason i am not remembering that that way so my bad all right guys where are we at 53 okay uh about out of time here geiger gaming jumping in from down under with a super sticker you've been very very consistent here on the huddle up podcast the last two weeks three weeks really appreciate it my friend you are inching very very close to superstar status keep it up my friend really really thank you yeah, we're going to have to erect Mount Rushmore down in Australia for Geiger Gaming, so we appreciate you. Thank you so much. I don't know how the Australians would, would be, you know, would they accept such an affront, right? Of course their, they would. To their Allies, landscape. Chad. Um, let me see this from, uh, from Black Knight. What do you guys think of the tweet Eric had yesterday about wide receivers that work well with each QB? Uh, I don't know. Let me see. I'm not sure what he said. Hold on. I know that uh, Building the Broncos kind of titled their episode around that topic, like which which, which wide receivers pair best with which quarterbacks. Um, okay, here, here it is, I think. I think this is what he's talking about. Zach, let's get your thoughts on it real quick. From Eric Trickle, co-host of the Dove Valley Deep Divers pod, KJ Hamler can work with either quarterback for different reasons. Judy Fant in Cleveland, probably better with Teddy Sutton. It doesn't matter. He's going to ball out regardless. Patrick and Albert O, probably better served with Locke. Running backs, also probably more effective in an offense quarterback with Teddy than Locke. So your thoughts on that, Zach? 
Well, it's his opinion, first and foremost. I mean, that's Eric's, and it's, it should be noted, of course, because Eric's great, but um, it's, I mean, the way I can argue for this is because players like Jerry Judy, players like, the, you know, the running backs, Melvin Gordon and Williams, they rely on timing and precision, and that's not mm-hmm. Locke's strong suit. So Patrick and Albert O are more outside, throw them up kind of, you know, 50-50 type of receivers, and that's why I think he went there with that argument. But I think regardless, if they scheme them up correctly, what Eric doesn't include there is the coaching. If the coaching uses those players correctly, it really won't matter who's a quarterback, Locke or Bridgewater, because both QBs, to their credit, both bring pros to the table. Albert Knoppers, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Uh, phenomenal super supporter in our community says Aaron Rodgers is not like Brady. He will play most likely three more years. I don't think that should be enough to add a demanding person like a rod to our team. Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't think anyone's like Brady, right? Like even Peyton, not quite like Brady, like Brady is a freaking animal. He's just a entity unto his own and Peyton's up there too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that Peyton's a lesser quarterback that's definitely not what i'm saying i'm just saying from like that ultimate um alpha mindset of eye on the prize i mean tom brady has already made well more money than he could ever spend in this life himself he's made more money i mean take away the fact that his wife actually earns more money than him as as a the most famous football player probably arguably anyway of all time take that away for a second pretend that wasn't true Tom Brady's already made so much money that his kids and his kids' kids and his kids' kids' kids are are set, right? That's not what's driving him, though. He didn't leave New England because he wanted an extra $25, $30 million or $60 million by the time he get through his two years in Tampa. Zach, he left because he's still hungry to win and be the guy at the top of the hill every time. I agree. Aaron Rodgers not exactly from what we know about him. And granted, you know, we haven't covered him every day for, you know, 10 years like we have with the Denver Broncos. But from what we know about him from afar, it doesn't seem like he's that same animal between the years. I also think Brady wanted to get the hell away from Belichick. And Rodgers, you know, Matt LaFleur is a very passive, player-friendly coach. And it'd be kind of the opposite in Rodgers' case going to Denver when Vic Fangio was just kind of like grizzly old, curmudgeon-y kind of guy. So, He's not going to be Tom Brady. No other quarterback will be Tom Brady. You can hate him all you want, but you have to recognize his greatness and what he's done. And that's why I'm firm in my belief that Rodgers is a little one tier down from the Brady's and the Mannings of the NFL landscape. All right. So Dylan reminded everybody, he helps us as a moderator in the chat to, hey, give us a like. Even if you don't agree with every single take of ours or someone in the chat, Please like the video, guys. It's a simple, organic way to help us us and support what we're doing here. And Dylan, we're looking forward to seeing you a week from tonight. It's going to be uh, great talking with you again on the show. Uh, Michael Droppers jumping in. Thank you for the super chat. Zach, it's a new name that I don't recognize anyway, so thank you. Thank you for dropping in, Michael. Indeed. Drew was a three-year project by most experts. Did we set him up for success like Dak, like Allen, NFL teams uh, to develop good quarterbacks at this point, can we pull it? The only thing I would tell you that they the Broncos did as a disservice to Drew was giving him a coordinator change in his second year. But that's not like so beyond the pale that you're like, that's it, man. And 
you know, unforgivable. He can never succeed. It's, it's the type of thing that happens every day in the NFL. It just so happens that in Drew's case, and the Broncos sh- probably should have been more cognizant of this, if I'm being honest, you know, that was a pattern that was not in his control, dating all the way back to his Missouri years, right? He, sophomore to junior year, those two years were the only years he had the same coordinator year over year. So other than that, Zach, I can't see anything that they've done that would erode his – you know, putting him in the best position possible to succeed. I mean, I'm grasping at straws trying to think of something else. I got one for you. How about right tackle last year? Not having a better player than Elijah Wilkinson as your starter ends up contributing to his shoulder injury, if not, you know, being the sole factor there. But I think the coordinator change and the coaching overall is the biggest detriment. Unlike Dak Prescott, who has Kellen Moore, unlike uh, Josh Allen, who has Brian Dayball, Pat Shermer is a far cry from both. And, you know, to your point, Chad, it is unforgivable to me to make a coordinator change when you go 4-1 and one with a young quarterback and that young quarterback hasn't had continuity at coordinator throughout his professional football tenure. So that's why I believe it set him back because you had a guy finally going with the NFL grain, a younger creative mind, Rich Scangarello. You go 4-1 and one with him in 2019 and then you fire Scangarello for Pat Shermer. That's a backward type move in the worst way. I would guess the Broncos probably in their heart of hearts anyway, Vic Fangio, John Elway, they probably regret making that move. Uh, Ian oh. wants to know on Facebook, how can we meet up on the season opener? Look, it's still a ways out, but there's going to be no problem finding us. All right, we're going to have a big old tent in the parking lot, tailgating it outside of Empower Field. So at Mile High, it's not going to be hard to find us. Um. Yeah, trust. When we get there, it's not going to be hard to find us. I got to – I got and we want to see you there, Ian. We look forward to it. I got to grab this. Shout out to Gary. Justin Broncos signed Les Claypool. The rock – people who are not rock guys, the rap guys right now are going, what? This is a riff off of a nice joke, off of my uh, slip of the tongue saying, you know, John Elway was a bass player <laughs> when I said baseball player. Les Claypool is one of the most famous bass players in all of rock, right? Primus and all that stuff, but – Touche, Gary. I at least appreciate that. Nice work. All right, John, do we have anything else that is uh, – any superstars been waiting? I don't want to leave anyone out here. Let me double-check on the back end, make sure we did not miss anybody. Um, Stand by just one second here. I think we're good. I think Michael was the last super. I think so. Well, being that – Yep, looks like we are good. So, guys, thanks so much for spending some time with us here this evening. And we'll be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. We'll also announce tomorrow night the winner of this week's giveaway for the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page. One just last reminder on that, guys. Make sure you're liking and following the Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook because that automatically enrolls you into our random raffles giveaways that we're doing every week there's no end in sight we have no plans of ending that till we get to our goal as far as the scale we need for our following so take care of that business and then zach other than that dude great to see you see you You tomorrow night and uh sign us off yes sir have a great night chad great night john everyone else out there thank you for tuning in with us tonight great wednesday we'll see you tomorrow on the huddle up podcast but in the meantime follow the huddle up pod at huddle up pod on twitter you can follow the mother account at mile high huddle 
please follow John at John KMHH, the beast. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL, as you can see right there on your screen. Please go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. Uh, like that page. Also, facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Big blue button. Chad said it earlier. We say it every day. Exclusive content this weekend coming up. Trickle Zone. I'm sorry, Broncos Book Club, second episode. And also, KK, episode 18. Now it's crazy. It's We're you know flying by four months in. It's been a, a wild, fun ride, though. Uh, please see us there on the weekend. And also, huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a shirt, etc. Football pre-shirt. We appreciate all your patronage there. Three things, though, before we get out of here that we ask of you, please, please, please subscribe, like, and share. It helps us more than anything else you can do, and we appreciate each and every one of you. We'll see you guys tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.